Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. What's up, family? How we doing? Uh, I've decided for the 11.30, we're, I'm not going to preach. We're just going to show that video four times and call it a day. Be good. No. Uh, hey, if you're new around here, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name's TJ. I'm a part of the teaching team here at VFC, and we're so glad that you are here today. Uh, I'm curious, how, how many of you grew up playing sports? Raise your hand if you grew up playing sports. Okay, a lot of you. All right, that's great. What'd you play? Yeah. Yeah, what'd you play? Everything. All the sports. Water polo? No. Okay, all right. What was, what was your favorite sport? Volleyball. What'd you like best about volleyball? The team. That's great. Uh, who else? Who else played? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, yeah. What'd you play? Wrestled and played baseball. What was your favorite thing about wrestling and playing baseball? Being competitive. Any other competitive people in the room? Yeah, that's great. I have a sneaking suspicion. Guys, at the 10 o'clock, there was a Packers like, like hoodie like right there. And there is a Packers jersey in the room right now. I'm a Lions fan. It's just throwing me off today. All right. Just a bunch of Packers everywhere. Uh, what, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, we're talking about sports. Okay. I have a sneaking suspicion that if I were to go around the room and ask everybody uh, what your favorite thing was about playing sports, I bet that a small minority of people would answer that question with this word, practice. Oh, I just love practice. Practice is just so much fun. It was my favorite thing in the world, especially two days. Oh my goodness, practice was awesome, right? We don't like we don't like practice. I always think of the Allen Iverson quote, right? Practice? We talking about practice, not a game. We talking about practice. We don't like practice, but I would argue that that practice just may be the number one thing that impacts our success in something. I've got two examples that I want to give you uh, that I hope make everybody feel included today. So if you don't like the first one, hang with me. I think you'll like the second one, okay? The first one is from the world of sports. As I said, I'm a Detroit Lions fan. Uh, We got cheated in Dallas last weekend, but that's not relevant to the sermon today. Uh, Our best wide receiver is Amon Ra St. Brown. Uh, This year, he's got 112 catches, 1,300 yards, and nine touchdowns. But the most impressive stat is that since he entered the league three years ago, he has a 1% drop rate, meaning of all the passes that are thrown his way that are catchable, he only drops 1% of them. How? Because every day after practice, he stays late and catches 202 passes off of the machine. Why does he do that? Because in high school, there was a kid who was better than him who used to catch 200 passes off of the machine. And he thought, if I'm going to be better than him, then I need to catch more than him. And his practice has helped produce results. I see some of you looking at me. You're like, preachers always talking about sports. Okay, cool. I hear you. Maybe this other example will be great for you. Okay. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. uh, Got two Swifties in my house. My wife and I. No, our two kids, our two girls uh, would consider themselves Swifties. 
but let's be real. Some of you are like too cool to admit it. Taylor Swift's awesome, okay? And so a couple just facts about her uh, Eras tour that she just finished up. 151 shows across five continents. Highest grossing tour of all time, over a billion dollars in revenue. They say that she boosted the economy in the cities that she visited because of all the money that Swifties spent when they went there. Uh, each show was three hours and 15 minutes long, consisting of 44 songs broken up into 10 acts. How in the world does a human being pull that off? 151 shows, 44 songs, three hours and 15 minutes long. Because leading up to her tour, every day she would get on the treadmill and she would run slash jog slash walk on the treadmill while singing her entire set list. Three hours and 15 minutes, 44 songs, running during the fast songs and jogging slash running during the slow songs. In other words, her practice helped produce results. I've heard it said that practice makes perfect. I don't think that's actually true. I think perfection is a pipe dream. But I do think that practice does help you progress towards a specific goal, right? Like going to the gym is the practice that moves you towards greater level of fitness or eating clean is the practice that helps move you towards greater health or school is the practice that moves you towards the knowledge that you need for a specific career. And so practice may not make perfect, but it does make progress. And I've got one more picture for you. How many of you remember this picture from our Fruit of the Spirit series? I'm going to assume the rest of you weren't here for that series. Okay? The idea is simple. The book of John, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, you will produce fruit. And so the idea is simple, that if we want to be lives that are marked by the fruit of the Spirit, then we need to remain in the vine. If we want to be people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then we need to stay connected to Jesus. And so the question that that series answered was, what could my life look like if I stay connected to Jesus? Excuse me. What I want us to consider over the next couple weeks is how do I stay connected to Jesus? Like what are some things that I can do that can actually help me stay connected to Jesus so that I can produce the fruit that he has called me to produce? And I think ultimately it comes down to this one word, practice. And so we're starting a new series called Practice Makes Progress. And it is a series about the spiritual disciplines. I don't know uh, about you, but my first experience with the spiritual disciplines was very guilt-ridden. I knew that I needed to pray and read the Bible and worship. And if I didn't do these things, I felt really guilty. And I felt like that I was falling out of favor with God because I lived like my salvation was dependent on my ability to practice the spiritual disciplines. But the problem is, is that the spiritual disciplines were never meant to be uh, the, the means of grace where I earn God's love and God's favor and my salvation and my righteousness through practicing these things. The disciplines are simply a means of receiving the transformative grace of God in my life. In other words, the disciplines don't change us. They simply put us on a path to be changed by God. Uh, five years ago, I was in Colorado Springs and we drove up Pikes Peak. You ever been up Pikes Peak before? Uh, some of y'all hike up Pikes Peak? Nah, we drive in that thing. And so uh, it was a paved road. And, and like, it wasn't terrible, but kind of terrifying because like, it's just weird to think like too far to the left, we fall and die. 
too far to the right, we maybe create a rock slide and we die, right? And so like we have to stay on this path. And, and so the image is not perfect, but I think it's helpful for us to consider that the path of spiritual disciplines, it is not to the left of, um, of righteousness through human human uh, agency or human uh, of trying, right? It's uh, through human progress. Like it's not righteousness where I, I pray to earn God's love and God's favor and God's salvation. But it's also not righteousness through the absence of human striving. Where like, I think I can just sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and watch TikTok all day. And I think that I'm going to magically become more like Jesus. Like that's not how it works either. But the, the path of spiritual disciplines is where we understand there are practices for us to engage in, but the practices themselves don't change us. That is God's job. God is the one who transforms us and makes us more like him. The practices simply put us on the path to being transformed. And so uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about the next few weeks, uh, you can actually find in a book called Celebration of Discipline. You can order it right now on Amazon or after I'm done preaching, uh, and it will be at your doorstep by Tuesday, right? I, I do want to encourage you to pick up this book, to read along with us, because I think it's really helpful. It's considered by a lot of people kind of the gold standard for books about spiritual disciplines. It was written originally in the 70s, and he talks about 12 different spiritual disciplines broken up into three categories, the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines, and the corporate disciplines. So in two weeks, we'll talk about the corporate disciplines. Next week, we'll talk about the outward disciplines. Today, I want to zoom in on the inward disciplines. Now, I have 21 minutes and four seconds left. That's not enough time to cover four spiritual disciplines, all right? So I, that's why I want to encourage you to pick up the book and to read it because I'm going to quickly let you know what three of them are, and then we're going to really spend the rest of our time on one of them. Sound good? Sounds good with the front two rows and nobody else. Okay, all right. <clears throat> the first one is this, meditation. We hear meditation and we're kind of weirded out because we think of monks sitting crisscross applesauce being like, um, um, right? Like that's, for real, that's the image that we have when we think of meditation. But Eastern meditation is all about emptying your mind. Christian meditation is all about filling your mind with God's thoughts and listening for God's voice. And so it is just a practice where we learn to be with Jesus and to uh, be aware of his presence in our lives. Number two is prayer. A prayer is probably the most talked about of the spiritual disciplines, and yet I think we still struggle to pray sometimes. And I used to think our biggest struggle with prayer was that we didn't know how to pray. I think that's still probably kind of true, but I think there's another problem, and that is that we're afraid that if we pray, that we might actually have to change the way that we live. But Foster said this in the book, to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. And so if we're unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic in our lives. And so what if the key to a healthy prayer life was just a willingness to actually change the way that we live based on what God does in us through prayer? Uh, and then the third one is fasting. I know your kids aren't, but my kids are spoiled brats sometimes. And I think the frustrating part about that is I know it's my, my fault, right? Because let's, let's be honest, okay, parents, um, it's a lot easier to say yes to their desire for candy at 8.30 p.m. than it is to say no and endure a meltdown after a long day, right? Uh, but, but at the end of the day, I know that, that what's best for them is not indulgence, but discipline. Our stomachs are spoiled brats. 
they get whatever they want. And fasting is this really cool opportunity for us to discipline our bodies so that we can grow in our discipline in other areas of our lives. And so, in fact, next week, we're going to kick off a week of prayer and fasting together as a church family. It starts next Monday. uh, And and next Sunday, we'll talk a little bit more about it. And everybody next Sunday will get these little bracelets that say pray first um, that are just going to be a reminder for the practices that we are engaging in. And so I just want to challenge you this week to be looking ahead to that. What is that going to look like for you? What are you going to fast? Are you going to fast all day, sun up to sundown, one meal a day, are you fasting coffee? If you've never fasted before, fat, like, like start small. If you fasted last year, maybe take like another step beyond what you did last year. I, just get with the Lord and see how he guides and directs you and let's commit to these practices together as a church family. And man, I'm telling you, I'm excited about what God is going to do uh, as we commit ourselves to him in prayer and fasting, okay? The fourth inward spiritual discipline is the discipline of study, specifically studying the Bible. Everyone say the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Bible, yeah, come on. Uh, The the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. And it is also one of the least read, best-selling books of all time. It it feels like everybody has a Bible. Not everybody reads the Bible. Some studies show that about 87% of American households have a Bible, yet only around 11% of Americans have actually read the Bible uh, from start to finish. Even among Christians, roughly half of us actually engage with the Bible on a regular basis. And uh, like, why, why is that? Right, like 700 years ago, uh, when only Catholic priests had access to the written word of God, there's a man by the name of John Wycliffe who worked his tail off to translate the Bible from Latin to English so that it could be available to everyone. And for doing so, he was excommunicated from the church He was called a heretic, and when he died, they burned his body along with his life's work. How did we get from there? Where those in power are doing everything they can to keep this book out of our hands, and those who are inspired by God are doing everything they can to put this book in our hands. How did we get from there to the Bible just kind of sitting on our nightstand, collecting dust, never actually being read? I think the problem is twofold. I think, first, we don't really know what the Bible is, and we don't really know how to read it. And I wish I had two weeks to talk about these questions. But for that, you can come to Wednesday night Sunday school starting back January 31st. Come on, a little plug there. For today, uh, I just want to, to touch on those really quickly. So first, what is the Bible? Because the Bible is not just a book. Uh, The Bible is a library of books. It's a collection of books. It's 66 books to be exact, books that are written by various authors, uh, and they're broken up into two sections, the Old Testament and the the New Testament. The Old Testament has the law and the prophets and the writings. The New Testament has the gospels, acts, and the letters of the apostles. But even then, this doesn't like really scratch the surface of what the Bible is. Uh, Because the Bible is not just a collection of books or a collection of writings or a history book about God's people from Israel to the church or a bunch of inspired or a bunch of like inspiring writings and words that encourage us and show us how to live. The Bible, at the end of the day, is a book that has been inspired by God. Meaning that when we read the Bible, we are reading God's words for us. That's big time. 
And, and let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that God put the biblical authors into a trance and what resulted was the scriptures, right? Like Moses didn't wake up, pour his coffee, sit down with a pen and was like, um, oh my gosh, it's Leviticus. Like that's, <laughs> like that's not how it worked, right? But what it does mean is that God used the wisdom and the intellect and the experience and the personality of the biblical authors to inspire writings that were written to specific people in a specific time, but also for all people in all times. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good works. So what is the Bible? It is God's words for us. Pastor Adam says this all the time. You want to hear the voice of God? Read the Bible. You want to hear the voice of God in an audible voice? Read the Bible out loud. The Bible is not the only way that God speaks to us, but it is the primary way. And it is the number one way that we learn to understand what God sounds like. And it is the litmus test for every other word that we might sense God whisper to our soul. If you got a word from God and it contradicts scripture, you did not get a word from God. Right? Like that's not, that's not how, it, how it works. I, I sat in a meeting one time. This guy described how uh, God spoke to him and told him to leave his wife and kids and start a new life with this woman that he met online. And I wanted to punch him in the face <laughs> and, then I wanted, and, and then hand him a Bible. Because if he had been reading his Bible, he would know that God does not sound like that. And, and so we have to, I, I just think for too long, we've, we've treated the Bible like it is, um, it's just something we can read if we feel like it. Like if we get around to it, if we have time, if I'm not too busy, then I'll spend time reading the Bible. But I'm telling you, if we are going to follow Jesus, we have to read the Bible. It is a non-negotiable. And so the question is then, okay, well, how do I read it? How do I read the Bible? Because let's be real, it's complicated, right? I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I have, where I am so proud of myself because I set my alarm early and I woke up and made my coffee and I sat down at the kitchen table with my Bible and a pen and a highlighter and I am ready to go. And then I read the Bible and I'm like, what? What did I just read? Right? Like, are you like this? Like the Bible is, is complex. It's complicated. In fact, I love this. The apostle Peter in second Peter, he is a biblical author. And he's talking about Paul, who is another biblical author. And he says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. If the apostle Peter, who was reading the scriptures as they were being written, thought they were hard to understand, then what makes you think that it's just going to be simple for you? Because right? the, the Bible is, it, it's 66 books written by 36 authors over a span of thousands of years. It's written in different genres, 44% narrative, 43% narrative, 33% poetry, 24% discourse. In all of this, you're just like, you're throwing numbers at me. This doesn't, I don't, why is this relevant? It is relevant because all of this impacts the way in which I approach text. Right? 2023 was my worst year of reading that I've had since college. I did not read as much this year as I like to. And so 2024, one of my goals, I want to get back into a healthy rhythm of reading. And so this week, I picked up a fictional book. 
I don't read fiction often, but I enjoy it. And so I'm just like, I'm going to read something fun to get myself back in the habit. Well, I approach that book way differently than I approach a book like Celebration of Discipline, which I'm reading for spiritual growth and spiritual health. And I approach that book way differently than I approach Junie B. Jones or Fancy Nancy when I sit down to read with my daughters at night, right? Different authors and different purposes for writing and different genres, and all of it impacts the way that I approach the text. And so listen, the genres and the historical situation and the author and who they're writing to and why they're writing, all these things are important. You're going to think I'm a heretic because the Bible doesn't speak for itself. The Bible can interpret itself. It can help verses, can help interpret other verses for sure. But at the end of the day, the Bible needs someone to interpret it. And if we're going to properly interpret scripture, then we need to learn how to read the Bible. This is how we read the Bible. Number one, in context. We've got to read it in context. Have you ever been taken out of context before? Frustrating, right? The, the entirety of the internet is just quotes out of context. Right? You're scrolling on Facebook and you see an article that says, OU football is finished. And you're like, what? What do they mean? It's finished? Are we, like the program ending? Like, what are we talking about? And so you click on it and you scroll through 24 different ads and you exit out of like 17 different pop-ups, right? And then you get down to where the quote is and you realize the quote is that OU football is finished focusing on the Big 12 because they're now focused on their new conference, the SEC. And you're like, are you kidding me? I just wasted five minutes of my day because of a quote that was taken out of context. Yeah, and, and, and I think we all probably have real life examples of that too, where you said something in a specific context and then that person went and told everybody in the office what you said, but they told them out of context. And so now it's created all this drama because something was said that was take, something was repeated that was taken out of the context that it was originally said in. And it's frustrating to be taken out of context. You know who gets taken out of context a lot? God does. We just be picking and choosing what we think Bible verses mean. Right? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's like, oh, that's a sweet tattoo for my bicep to motivate me to bench 300 pounds. And it's like, that's cool, I guess. Congratulations on 300 pounds. But that was written by Paul from prison as he's describing how God has given him the strength to endure suffering for the sake of the gospel. And it encourages us that when we suffer for the sake of the kingdom of God, God will give us the strength we need to endure. It has nothing to do with your PR in the gym, homie. It don't. It don't. Why do we do that? Honestly, the answer stings me and I hope it stings you. Because we don't want to put in the work to actually discover the context behind the words that we're reading in this book. We don't want to do it. We just want to open up the Bible. Go to a random page. Mark 13. Ooh, come on, somebody. It's going to be good. Point at a verse and let that be the verse that we needed in that moment and in that season. Can God do that? For sure he can do that. But for the majority of the time, we're going to have to put in the work to actually discover the context behind the words that we are reading. Uh, there's an evangelist named Manny Arango who said it this way, the Bible is not a cheap date. The Bible is never meant to be consumed the same way that you consume that cheeseburger from McDonald's as you're going through the drive-thru. It is complex and it requires that you are willing to sit down and put in the work to read it in context. Matt Chandler said it this way, the Bible was written for you, but it not, was not written to you. 
It was written to a specific people in a specific time in a specific place. And until you care about discovering what God was saying to them, you'll never discover what God's trying to say to you. Right? Until you care, and some of you are like, well, I don't care. Well, that stinks. Because until you care about discovering what God was saying to the church at Corinth, then you'll never really understand what God was trying to say through you through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Like that's, that's how this works. We have to be willing to read the Bible in context. And so you're like, okay, cool. You've convinced me. How do I do that? Uh, I, I challenge you to pick up a study Bible. There's lots of good ones out there. The ESV study Bible and the NLT study Bible are both really, really good. And you're like, cool, I can go deeper than that. That's great. Pick up a commentary. My favorite commentary series is the For Everyone commentary series. Nobody's writing these down. Okay, cool. Uh, For Everyone commentary series written by N.T. Wright. He's my favorite theologian. He's just incredible. So that's fantastic. And, and some of you, you're like, okay, cool. Like, I don't really have the money to spend on this kind of stuff. Study Bibles are kind of expensive. Commentaries are too. I get it. Go to the library, get a library card, and you can use the information from your free library card and download an app called Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A. And you can download free digital books on that app. And there are a large number of commentaries that are on that app. I use it all the time. These are just some practical ways to help you read the Bible in context. So we need to read it in context and we need to read the Bible through Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. So there's this really cool moment at the end of the book of Luke where Jesus has risen from the dead and he appears to two of his disciples who are walking down the road. They don't know it's him and they have this long conversation in verse 27, it says this, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, speaking of Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, the Bible in all its entirety is not about you. It's about Jesus. Every word on every page, every story, and every book is all meant to point us back to our Savior. It's not about you. My favorite example of this is the story of David and Goliath, right? We read that story, and it's cool. It's like David conquering this giant, and we put ourselves in David's shoes, and we're like, we're the hero conquering the giants in our lives. And there are some really valuable things for us to learn from David and his courage and his faith and all that, that stuff. That's all good. But at the end of the day, what we have to understand is that story is not about you. That story is about how Jesus, the greater David, came to earth and conquered the giants of sin and death for our sake. It is all about Jesus. And so when we read the Bible, our first question should not be, God, show me some things about me. Our first question should be, God, show me you. Show me who you are. Reveal to me things about your character that help me love you more and serve you more and want to follow you more. Jesus, reveal yourself to me through this text. We need to read it through Jesus. And, and then lastly, we need to read it towards life change. Uh, four years ago, it was my first month on staff when everybody walked in, we handed everybody a, a fortune cookie. And we're like, all right, we're all going to get a word from God today. And people got real nervous and are like, a fortune cookie, really? Okay, this is that kind of church. All right. Uh, never come in here again, right? And then we all opened our fortune cookie and they all said the same thing. Does anyone remember what those fortune cookies said? Read the Bible, do what it says. Read the Bible, do what it says. Because at the end of the day, it's not just scripture read, 
It is scripture applied that transforms your life. James chapter one, verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James gives us the perfect image here because none of us are going to wake up in the morning and see this giant zit in the middle of our forehead and be like, huh, all right, and just go about our day. Like that, we're going to do something about it. We're going to pop that thing, right? We're going to splash some makeup over that thing. I don't know. Like you're going to do something before, you're going to change something before you move on. Like you, like it is a mirror that reveals to you what is wrong. And just kind of a side note, some of y'all out here love watching pimple popping videos. Can we stop that garbage right now? Can we just stop it? Can we just all agree together that that's disgusting? Lord, I loose your power over every person that is in this room to set them free from this disgustingness in Jesus' name. Come on. Like, oh, so cool. No, it's not. It's gross. Okay. Back to the Bible, y'all. Back to the Bible. Uh, it is a mirror. It's a mirror that, that can show us what needs to change, but it does not force us to change. It beckons us to change, but it will not force us to change. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us, we have to take that next step and actually apply what it is that we're reading. We can't just read the Bible for intellect or so we can quote Bible verses or so we can sound smart at our small group. We need to read the Bible so that we might actually live the way that it is calling us to live. Okay, so you guys are like, all right, cool, bro, we get it. The Bible's important. I should read it. I hear you. I'm going to go home and find my Bible. It's somewhere. I'm going to find it. And when I do, what do I do? Because I've tried before and it didn't really work out and I tried to make it a habit and I just like after three days into the new year, I just kind of gave up and, and I sat down and read and I didn't really understand what I was reading and I just didn't really even know where to start. Like, what do I do, man? Like, how do I do this? And this, it's a simple acronym for you to remember that I think it's just a really helpful, simple way to read the Bible. SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. You start with scripture. And you're like, okay, well, where do I start reading? You can start in the book of John. It's a good place to start, John 1.1. 1, 1. Or you can go to the Bible app and they have a ton of really good Bible reading plans that you can follow along with as well. And then you just, you just read the scripture. You just read it, maybe read it again, maybe read it a third time. And then you move into observation. Maybe you write down just a few thoughts, a few words, phrases that stand out to you questions that you have, things you don't understand. Then you go to application. And this one might take a little bit more work because remember, you got to discover what the meaning was for them. And then once you've discovered that meaning, then you can ask yourself, okay, what does this meeting mean for me? And this is where you say, okay, Lord, what am I being called to do in response to this? Is there someone I need to forgive? Is there a next step that I need to take? Is there a conversation I need to have? What do I need to do in light of what I've just read? And then the last one is prayer. Maybe you just sit in silence for a few minutes before God, letting him speak to your heart. Maybe, maybe you just pray a simple prayer of surrender. God, thank you for your word. I surrender to you today. Help me to live it out. Maybe you pray your frustrations. Lord, I was really excited about reading the Bible this morning. I got up and, and I've got my coffee and I'm so, I was so ready for this. And then I read it and I feel like nothing happened. <laughs> 
and I didn't really understand it, and I'm kind of frustrated, and I don't really want to do this again tomorrow, but I'm going to, and I pray that tomorrow will be better than today was. That's a good prayer too. Because again, practice does not make perfect. It makes progress. There, there, is a, 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 there is a process to this. It takes time to develop habits into your life, and it takes time to understand Scripture well. And so um, if you will just be committed, and if you'll just be consistent, and if you'll just show up, I promise you, you will look back six months from now, and you will see all the ways that God is transforming your life because of the commitment that you made to spending time studying the Bible. Let's make 2024 the year that we get serious about studying the Bible. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word today. Lord, I thank you for the gift that your word is to us. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, let us see the Bible that way, as a gift. That we would not see reading the Bible as just another thing to add to our already busy schedule, another thing to check off of our to-do list. Give us a genuine hunger and thirst for your word. God, I pray that every person in this room today, as they, read, as they read the Bible this week, that we would just have a moment. We, we would have a moment where we are reminded of the power of your word in our lives. So much of reading the Bible can be mundane and maybe moments where we feel like we didn't understand anything or we didn't get anything out of it. Lord, I pray that there would be a moment this week that every person that is in this room, God, every person that is watching online would be able to say, God, I am so thankful that I opened up your word today because that is what I needed. God, give us that encouragement. Give us that strength. Help us as we seek to make studying the Bible a regular habit in our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, um, I understand that today's message was primarily to believers, to followers of Jesus. But I also know that there's probably some people who walked into this room today it's January 7th, it's the first Sunday of the year and you're just, and you've been out of the habit for a while. You've been out of the rhythm and the routine and quite honestly, you walked into this place knowing that you're not living right, you're not living in right relationship with God. Maybe you've walked away from following Jesus or maybe you never really were following Jesus, been living for yourself and you've come to the end of your rope and you realize that Jesus is the only answer. And so you're just at a spot where you're like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm ready to ask him to forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you lift your hand in the air right where you're at? I'd love the opportunity to pray with you today. Amen, I see you. Yeah, hands going up all over the place. I see you in the back, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray this prayer together as a family? Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Today I trust you. I give you my life. I surrender all that I am to you. And I choose to follow you because of your love for me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at victoryfamily underscore. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.